Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Audio Tools podcast, the audio mixing podcast where we interview audio professionals from the mixing world and YouTube. And we dive into mix sessions and show you guys what we're doing in our mix sessions. And we constructively critique each other's mixes and processes on the way, teaching each other and hopefully you guys lots of audio mixing tips and techniques. I'm Ed Thorne. This is my co-host, Paul Third. Welcome to another episode where we are diving into the current Rate My Mix competition song called Another Love Song by James Dupre. And Paul is going to give us the honors of walking through his drum setup and how he sets and processes drums in his pre-mixing session. Over to you, Paul. Hello, everyone. Yes, my name is Paul Third. And uh, this week, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a snippet into my pre-mixing session. Let's get into Studio One and let's get into it. Right, so first off, what I do is I timeline all of the drums. That's the very first thing I do before I add any compression, any EQ. Um, and to do that, it's really simple. I use a plugin from Meldit called M Auto Align. It's really easy to use. And what I do is I group all the kicks and I group the snares. And then you play um, a snippet of audio and then you press align, uh, analyze, sorry, and it aligns all the audio. And as you can see here, um, adjusted the snare by 56 samples. When it comes to the overheads, the hats and the toms, um, I um, set them, yeah, I set them to a drum set group and they get aligned together. And then when I'm in my mixing session, I'll put all the shells to a bus um, and then I'll align them to the overheads. <laughs> That's just the way I was taught how to do it. Um, so really simple, really easy to do. And again, takes it under a minute. Who taught you that? I can't even remember now. I think I picked it up on a YouTube video once and then I spoke to somebody else about it and they went, yeah, I do it the exact same. It was a drummer. It makes sense in my head and that's just the way I do it. Some people like to do it where they'll align everything all together. But I don't know. This is just the way. Yeah, I do it differently. I, I do that. I do all the kicks, cymbals, everything except the room mics. Because right. the room mics are meant to be delayed. So Now, but the, the, the issue you've got though is that sometimes... M auto align has an issue with what to use as and what it's aligning everything to. So I prioritize the kick drum. Do you? Right, okay. Well, you can do it either. But diff different ways of doing things. For the snare, and sometimes I do it on kick, sometimes toms, I'll use this, right? M drum leveler. Now, what I love about this is that it's a really good gate. Sometimes what I'll do is um, I'll go to a, sono uh, a sonable smart gate in a lot of cases i'll use this because i really love the algorithm here and it allows you to set different velocities so you can really get a nice consistent snare that doesn't sound like a sample but it's kind of as close to kind of getting an acoustic snare to sound like a sample that's how good it, it, do, it does a job at leveling so I'll, I'll kind of give you an audio example right and i'll bring it in and out and hopefully what you'll hear is that the the snare sounds a little bit more weighty and just a little bit more kind of overall kind of level. And so this is it without, and then I'll bring it in. But keep an eye on that bypass button just so you can see when it's coming in and out. Did you hear any difference there, just out of interest? Yep. Uh, there is an evenness to the velocity and the weight of each hit. Now, it still maintains the integrity of the slight fluctuation in 
stick position on the drum, but it has leveled up all the quiet hits up to that loudest hit that it's measured, and it's actually doing a really good job. And what that's doing is just taking a human performance and shuffling it slightly towards a machine performance in terms of consistency, which is what we're used to hearing on the radio. Right, now, uh, next up, normally all I'll do is just a little bit of EQ on the snare if I feel that it's necessary, right? For this snare, all I felt that it needed was just take out a little bit of a low rumble, and then I found the fundamental, again, just using my eyes, and then I, by using the octaves, I took out a little bit of kind of low mid stuff, just a little bit of mud in there. So I want to add a little bit of weight, and for me, it just sounds a little bit less papery for me. I don't know if you'll hear it in the context of the mix rather than solo, but we don't listen in solo, we listen in the context of the mix. So I'll bypass this EQ in and out. Now this is the acoustic top snare. This isn't the sample. This is a blend of uh, snare top, snare bottom, and snare sample. And I'll have it bypassed. Now, Ed, what did you hear there, just out of interest? I want to get your opinion. So what did you hear with that EQ move just on the top snare? I'm hearing a bit of the kind of honky uh, mid-range that no one likes in a snare go up. Now, what for anyone watching, I don't know if you noticed, but they looked like they were very small, low EQ curves, but they were actually four or five decibels. It's just the plug-in was zoomed in, yeah, zoomed out quite far. Yeah, and then a bit more body. Now, it's interesting that you're doing that by eye and not by ear. Look, if you know where the fundamental is, right, now watch. Watch the snare. There it is there. Look, there's the fundamental there. There you go. There's times where you don't need to use your ear. There's the fundamental there. I know where it is. I know I can boost there. And then again, follow the octave. Look, there's 182, 366. Do the maths. There's your octave. I know where to take them. Take out the mud. That's how I do it. Really quick. Don't need to spend time working about. I see where the fundamental is and I move on. Right, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to solo it just so you can kind of hear, uh, get a better context. And I've changed the level range just so it doesn't look as small as, as what it actually is. Um, so again, it's again 4 dB and then again minus 3.6. If only we could do that and in then... other areas of our life, eh, Paul? <laughs> Speak for yourself, son. Um <laughs> Right, so this is it in solo, just so you can kind of hear it. Get, what, what I want you to think about is, like, for me, what I hear is the snare sounds papery. The, like, the top snare sounds papery. I want a little bit of weight and get that little bit of kind of nasty resonances out there. So hopefully what you can hear is that it sounds a little bit tighter, you're adding in the fundamental in a little bit more, and it's just cleaning it up, and that's really, I felt, that all it needed. Um, snare bottom, um, again, really, really easy. Like, generally all I felt it needed was just to take out a little bit of the low rumble, that's it. And then I always leave the samples untouched. It's generally just M auto align, adjusted at 44 samples. So, like, what's interesting is even though you would think that the samples would be in time 
they weren't so again 44 samples needed adjusted essentially what I do on the, the kick is I use ceilings of sound and I just use it to take away a lot of the kind of low mud area and again what I do is it's a very long-winded technique but at the end of the day all I'm doing is, is I'm adjusting the low mids that nasty kind of 200 to kind of you know 400 range in line with the mid-range of the click which is normally around like 1.5 say 2k because normally what you'll find is off the bat that the reason kicks in so muddy is because that energy in the low mids is higher than your mid-range so what you're doing is you're bringing the mid-range down so it's in line with the mid-range and normally you find that's the right level for me to take out your mud um, and then overheads um, this is kind of more what I stole from Ed <laughs> I always use a bit of rezzo on there um, you know, as you can see, these are the areas and um, these are the nodes that it's picked up. Um, and again, I just normally find that you normally do get quite a lot of resonances in there. Rezo does a good job at just kind of taking them out. Again, not doing too much. And then, again, a little bit of EQ. Now, this is something that I stole from Ed, <laughs> as I always do when it comes to drums. So um, I'm actually high-passing things. Again, taking, I like to get the kick out of the overheads just enough. Um, and then again I'm taking out these areas here this is kind of where roughly where I was finding the snare to be in the overheads um, and again this little region is, as well and I found that just taking out this region here it cleans up the overheads quite a lot now let's listen to that in the context of the mix and hopefully um, you'll hear overall that the, the drum mix system's a little bit clearer Now, Ed, did you hear any difference there? Yep. I'm hearing a little bit of loss in the low end where you're high-passing the overheads. And, yeah, clarity in the snare. Now, there's a lot of snare sound to be found in the overheads, but I, I think I just know drums exceptionally well, and you're pulling out the right frequencies there. I could, don't even, I could just look at it and tell that that was right. My concern would be you're pulling out 200, though, with that wide cue point. The, in the yellow okay. one I've, I, I used to do that as well with the low end I would high pass the overheads I've actually started not doing that and then lastly um, what I do on overheads is I add a bit of compression <laughs> I'm laughing because I know what people will be thinking looking at that oversampling button being like what? Paul Third not using oversampling? <laughs> I did I used times four on it but like it kills this whole session all this streaming stuff so I've got it off but um, you're probably not going to tell a difference but what I'm what I'm looking for out of the drum overheads and this is something I picked up from uh, Joe Carroll is you're wanting to duck the snare out of the overheads to kind of glue everything together because I do find that the snare is very prominent in the overheads I don't know the snare just becomes a little bit too pokey so I find it's a really good glue I really like this I don't know why I just do I like having the the knock in which is pretty sure it's a sidechain detection this comes from the API it's basically an SSL and API hybrid and again I put, I put all the work in I put the, the transformer circuit in 4 to 1 ratio a slow-ish attack again a slow-ish release just listen to the snare right because what I want you to listen for is how the snare ducks out, right? So this is it here, right? So I'll play it. 
Now, again, subtle because I'm pre-mixing, but Ed, did you hear anything there? It's bringing out the snare more to me when it's on. Okay, that's interesting. Right, how much gain reduction do you think I was doing? Like 2 dB. Okay, let's find out. Yeah, so about right. So again, so it depends on what if I really want to glue the overheads a lot of the times because a will do is I'll, I'll crank the threshold a little bit more, right? And you'll kind of notice the difference in how the drums kind of glue together the more kind of gain reduction I add to the overheads. Right, so that again, that at max, it's like three to five dB. Ed, what what do you feel um, that you do when you kind of go for uh, drum overheads again? Because so, did you hear any difference when it was adding that extra two dB instead of doing one to three? It was doing maybe three to five. Were you hearing any difference there? Or yeah, yeah, loads because it's 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 kind of you've set the attack to allow the snare through, but it's the symbols and in particular that the hi-hats I, I can tell the way he's playing just by listening he's going with quite a big molar stroke to accent the quarter note so he's going and what you're doing with the compression is um leveling that out and when you were going full threshold you were almost getting a programmed kind of which is unnatural so where you had it i think was actually a good level where you were getting the dynamic and the texture of the Accent had hit, but it was not quite as prominent and a bit closer to the unaccented offbeat eighth note hit. Yeah, now what I'll do very quickly is to show you the difference in attack. Now, if you want to clamp down more on the snare, then again, you'll have a faster attack. So, again, let's try that. Yeah, straight away. Split the difference. Thing is, with a fast attack, it's like obviously clamping down more on the snare, but I feel like you lose a little bit of the weight of the snare if you have too fast attack um, it's clamping more down on that snare and I don't know I just kind of feel like the snare's stuck in a little bit too much maybe you could bring down the gain reduction a little bit but I just find a slower attack time you're allowing the tr more of the transient of the snare in so and you're just kind of getting that kind of subtle glue you know what I mean if you want for me if I want to process the snare I'll process the snare on the snare but I'm just wanting to add glue to the overheads but yeah, yeah. I thought it'd be a fun little <laughs> A fun little thing just to go through there. I think where you had it was spot on. And for those people just listening, if you can join us on YouTube, 
and watch this, you can see what Paul is doing in a lot more detail. Right, so we've done the overheads. Now, the, the hi-hat is the most simplest thing ever. <laughs> I just have a high pass at around 500. But we'll bring it in and out just to kind of hear if it makes any difference because at the end of the day, it's just something I do. But you might think different. Very subtle, right? Um, Ed, what do you hear in contrast there just by doing such a severe uh, high pass on there? I hear it cleaning up uh, some low-end kind of murky rumble in the kit there. I do wonder if there's some kind of phase shifting going on there with the hi-hats possibly now interacting differently with the overheads. Mm. But what you've done there is interesting. I understand why you do that with the hi-hat, high-passing at 500 However, there's quite a lot of snare sound to be had in the hi-hat mic due to its proximity to the snare drum and often people using condenser mics on the hi-hat. On the, on the hi-hat. So what I do, again, uh, this is definitely to ear. And I actually, this is one of the instruments I do solo because I want the hi-hats usually to sound the specific way so I can slot it in the mix. So I'll high-pass to 200 and then do a big cut in the mid-range between 5, 6 and 800, which is where all the kind of sound of the hi-hat is. Now, what you've captured there is, is a lot of the body of the hi-hat, but that, to me personally, I, I never like. And then that, once you cut that out, it then focuses the sound on the snare drum at 200-ish, if you want it, if not high-pass further. But then it focuses the sound on the upper mid-range and the top end. And occasionally, I'll add in 10K, but rarely. And I will also compress my hi-hats as well. All right, okay, because I, I know what's evil hi-hats. It's just something that I normally tend to leave them alone. But either way, right, if it works in the track, it works in the track. If you don't have an in-house mastering engineer like we're fortunate enough to have with Marcel at Actu Make with the working audio tools, DistroKid have you covered. For just $99 a year, you can buy unlimited mastering for all of your tracks in tandem with unlimited releases via DistroKid. Mixair from DistroKid uses AI technology to measure the EQ and the dynamics of your track and then present you with numerous options to tweak and customize your master. You can flip between the original and the generic mastered option. Blame it on the whiskey. Blame it on the bad weed. So instantly we can hear that's making the track louder and it's also slightly flattening the EQ, bringing in a little bit more of the mid-range and of course the top end. We can adjust the intensity, which is how much compression and limiting is being applied to the track. Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen Run and tell your mother Blame it on your brother I think somewhere in the middle works for this track. And the EQ options are self-explanatory. We can make the track effectively duller or brighter.
Download your mastered track and release it as easily as you do all of your other unlimited uploads. Get 30% off your DistroKid subscription using the Working Audio Tools VIP link below. Let's move on to Tom. So again, a little bit of alignment, a little bit of reso in here. And it, again, it's doing one resonance. You're hardly going to hear it, but it's just there doing a little, taking a little bit out. I've got two sessions. I did this, printed this, <laughs> just so um, I could show you kind of the bit of the pre-mixing. I, I EQ'd the Toms. Basically, basically, all I've done is later on in the premix, I have added a little bit of mid range in there, cleaned up a little bit of low end, and added in a little bit of top end mid range just to kind of make the toms uh, kind of sit, sit out a little bit more. Because what I feel like, I feel like they sound a little bit dull, and I felt like when I added a bit of mid range and it helped. But this is without any treatment. I just think they sound a little bit dull. And when I listened to Joe's mix, I kind of found that Joe's mix was, um, his toms had a lot more kind of mid-range presence in there. So I kind of EQ'd them and again, just standard studio one stock EQ. And then the rooms, I normally compress a very specific way. But in here, again, that's all I've done. I just kind of felt that they had a little bit of mud in there. And again, in drums, you'll normally find that Especially on a whole kit, that kind of 500 hertz-ish region could be a little bit murky. Now, I'll play it in and out. Again, I'm just thinking about cleanup. Seven very simple moves, right? It's very subtle. Let's see if you can hear it. Yeah, it just opens up the drums for me. I just kind of felt like the snare was a little bit murky in just that dip. Let's see, I'm I'm taking out just like nearly 4 dB. Yeah, exact clean up in the right area that you need to take out of um, room mics. Definitely, off usually overheads and often hi-hats. Just a reminder to people that is, this is Paul's pre-mix session, not his full mix session, so he is doing more moves after this in the full mix, but this is just how he gets his cleanup. So any comments I've made have been regarding the full mix. And there you have it, right? It's genuinely as easy as that. That is all I do in pre-mixing, right? Because I don't want to over-process my drums. And when I take it into the mix session, there isn't really much else I do. I might maybe add a bit of 10k or maybe a shelf onto the snare. I'll do my DBX sub-synth trick. We'll add a little bit of extra girth. So that's the hardware DBX that I use. Um, and then I'll add an API 2500 on the drum bus. Sometimes just running through it, I just it just the phase um, response. Um, it just has a sound that I that I quite like. But normally it's maybe doing just one to two dB, just to add a little bit of extra glue, and then re uh, I, I normally have two reverbs on the snare, and then I'll have Ocean Way reverb on the entire kit, and I just kind of bring that in. Then the toms will normally get a bit of reverb with the same reverb that's on the entire kit. And yeah, it's very, very simple. So Ed, let me <laughs> ask you, what do you think um, of the way that I've processed the drums? Yeah, I mean, what you're doing just seems spot on. Personally, my approach is to leave all of that in. I, For people listening, I don't do a pre-mix. I just throw it all into a mix session because there's things I might want to play with later. And once you've taken it out, you can't put it back in. But what you were doing there is pretty safe, generic moves. I'd be maybe even tempted to go more extreme on in the mix here mm. and there um, but you're definitely not doing anything damaging and that pre-mixed drum and bass example there was already sounding 
pretty good, pretty much in the ballpark. Yeah. Respect in the drums, I think that's a lot of the time that you need to think about is a lot of people will be like, yeah, let's go over-ended, let's get the compression in. Now, by the way, on the drum rooms, um, I actually quite like the drum rooms and I could tell they were compressed on the way in. Um, if it's kind of like an uncompressed drum room, I'll go in pretty hefty with Tim Petrick's uh, Valley Dynamite and I smash it. Because I, I love a really smashing drum room and you can just bring out the room even more and I set the... Uh, the, release, the attack and release times to kind of work with the track. That's sometimes all you need. You just need to do a little bit of cleanup. Just think about things that you don't like, take them away. And then when I get into the mix session, I can be more creative and I'm not thinking about the critical things anymore. It's level. It's all done the way I like it. And I could just focus on the things that I need to think about creatively. And that's why I split the process. Right, and there you have it. There is my pre-mix of the drums and there is a little bit of insight into how Ed mixed the full drums um, in the mix that he um, shown us last week. Again, down below, leave us your comments. Uh, again, how you process drums and pre-mixing or general mixing. Again, what we've shown you here, again, it's all very subjective. Again, it's per song, per track, per genre a lot of the time. Um, so yes we're just trying to share as much as we can we're still getting used to all of the screen sharing and all of the audio examples it's, it's a ball it's like, absolute, trust us it's a ball <laughs> it is yeah so right we'll leave it at that because um, you use listening and watching don't know how long we've been at this episode and we're done um, so hopefully you've enjoyed it again if you've enjoyed it then please again uh, consider uh, leaving a super thanks if it's really really given you you've learned a lot from this episode and again like subscribe leave a comment do all the good things uh, yes. thanks to DistroKid okay. for sponsoring us please feel free to share the podcast amongst your friends family pets and everyone interested <laughs> thanks for listening see you on the next one